women are powerful and have accomplished great things. Yet, sometimes we suffer from self-doubt, fear, and limiting beliefs. We often believe that we are not good enough. These negative beliefs stop us from achieving our goals. Welcome to Sprinting to Success, a podcast dedicated to women who have experienced struggles, yet found ways to step into their power, their greatness, and learn to embrace challenges. These women will share their stories and give you insights to help you on your path so you can follow your dreams. And now, here's your host, Esme Lawrence. Welcome. My name is Esme Lawrence, the host of this podcast, Sprinting to Success. My guest today, along with her husband, own a multi-million dollar business. She was born in the secluded culture of a horse-drawn buggy religious organization. My guest today is Marion Maxpiden. Marion, thank you so much. I am so excited for you to be on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited as well. Oh, awesome. So you and your husband run a multi-million dollar business. What is it that you're proud of about that business? Well, my husband built the, the business and I help him in the business. I do a lot of administrative, so that's what I do and I help him be successful. And then my gig is I do coaching. So with both of us together, we've been very successful. And I think what I'm proud about it is that we get to help make other people's lives better. Oh, I love that. So now I'm gonna, I'm gonna have you go back in time to some of the struggles that you had as a, as a child. What were some of those struggles? I had a good childhood in, as far as I grew up, it was a beautiful 400 acre farm with dairy cows. And I got to play in the creeks and the ponds and climb trees and build hay tunnels in the, in the barn and climb the silos and work. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it sounds like a fun childhood. <laughs> it did have a lot of good things. I think what I, when I reflect back on my childhood, if there was a deficit, it was the emotional connections that I didn't know how to connect with my family. And I had eight, seven brothers and sisters, there were eight of us. And with my mom and dad, I didn't know how to connect with them. Okay, so, so how did the other kids, how did they connect uh, or did they connect? with your mom and dad? You know, probably not so much, but I probably can't speak for them. Right. Now, what, what does it look like? Some of, them have not take, some of them have not taken the healing journey. Right. Like I. So, so what does it look like when you say you didn't connect with your mom and dad? What does that, what does it look like? It means that you just kind of grow up, you know, you, you grow up doing what's around you. I never felt free. You know, when I was an adult and I started a healing process and they asked me to think of a time that I felt free to just reflect on that, I just could hardly come up with that. There was always that heaviness and that oppression and I, I didn't know how to just love and be loved. So you were basically controlled in that environment? I was controlled, but I was also very lonely, you know? Yeah to be with people and be lonely and I think if you're not giving love and receiving love it's it's hard to feel fulfilled so that right. 
the painful part of my journey, I think. And then I started developing, you know, jealousy patterns because I'd see other people that were happy and I wasn't happy. So the jealousy patterns, uh, explain that. Oh, well, you see somebody who seems to be successful and all of a sudden you just don't want them to be successful. You know, it looks like they have friends and they're laughing, they're talking freely and I want to, but I just don't know. Sometimes I've likened it to like jump rope. Have you ever turned like two people on a jump rope and then people jump in the middle and you right. time that rope coming around well it's like that that's how it was for me to get in conversations and and just become a part of a group I couldn't get jumped in like everybody always talked ahead of me and then I just you know I felt empty I felt lonesome and yeah to break that barrier and so therefore when other people seem to be having a good time and not struggling like I was pretty soon I you know, I'd start feeling like I don't want them to succeed either. And a little bit of attitude would come from me. And then as I grew older, I think it just got more pronounced and turned into maybe some bitterness and anger. And it started manifesting in other ways. But I think the foundation of it was a lot of jealousy. Right. So, so um, now fast forward to high school. What were you like? And what were some of the struggles you had in high school? Well, then I started being attracted to boys, you know, being in that age. And I was in the same scenario. I wasn't the one that the boys had come after and want to be with me. And I would get like this crush on a guy or something, but I was afraid to speak it out. And so I just always continued that pattern of feeling left out, <laughs> not being able to connect emotionally. Right. And it. It also hurt a lot. Yeah, definitely. So then uh, now fast forward again to adulthood. Are you having the same struggles? They never changed. The scenarios changed. I became a school teacher. And so in the schoolroom, I loved children and I was a good teacher. I had teaching abilities and the, the kids liked me for the most part and we didn't have too many problems. But I think that same emptiness followed me into the classroom where after eight years, it is a unique experience being in the culture, one room classroom, one, one room schoolhouse with um, outdoor toilets and, you know, it was very rural. We didn't have electricity, but that wasn't so difficult because we adapt. We're adaptable. Right. <laughs> and so I look back on that and I treasure all those opportunities. The thing that makes me sad is I wasn't able to connect better emotionally with my school kids as well. You know, as their teacher, I should have been that shining star that knew how to overcome their uh, inabilities to connect, perhaps. And so there was probably some cultural deficits in that area where, as a whole, people weren't quite as connected emotionally. And, you know, it as in every culture, some families connect really well, others a little bit, and other families not at all. Right. And I think it's a cultural thing everywhere. Right. You know, so then um, you didn't know, like going back, you didn't know how to connect with your family, your mom and dad, you know, so then now here you are a school teacher. There's no way it's going to be hard for you to connect because you don't know how, you know, you, know had, you had the same problems in high school, you know, so then now fast forward now, now you were living in the same, same town or teaching in the same town that you grew up. 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So then of course, so then, um, so when did you leave that small town? I um, went from school teaching into midwifery and I started the women helping the women birth in the homes. And I think it was part of that um, responsibility. And again, that same pattern followed me. I did not know how to connect emotionally with the women that I was helping. But again, I had those teaching abilities and I was able to do what I needed to do very well. So the women liked me and I was becoming popular very fast in my industry of helping the women birth in their homes. But I started going down because now the responsibility and just that emptiness and the hurt in my own heart, I, I wasn't surviving it anymore. Up to that time, I've been able to survive it. I really felt like I would physically die if I, if I wouldn't get help in that emotional uh, deficit I was having. So you were great at your job, but emotionally you were dying. Yeah. Um, where did you go for help and what did you do? How did you come out of that? <laughs> well, what do you do? You reach out to the people that are around you, typically. When you're going down, you're like a drowning person and you start grabbing at straws, you start grabbing. And so I did try to ask my family for help, but they didn't know how. And it was when I got to take a trip outside of the community with, there were other people from the community, but for some reason, this was different. And there was an emotion, they knew how to connect emotionally better than I did. And I got to experience on a three week trip to Alaska, driving through your beautiful country of Canada. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, I love the Yukon and the British Columbia mountains and the- yes. Alaskan Highway. It's beautiful. It's God's country. It's beautiful. Oh, it is. Yes. The we were in June, so there were many waterfalls and the beautiful flowers. Oh my goodness. It was like heaven for me. It's just like I was in such a, away from my responsibilities of midwifery and being with people who gave me something that I wasn't getting otherwise, I think. And when I came back from that trip, it started a search in me because now it's even heavier because right. I experienced something free and then I came back to the weight again. And in that search, I started, started crying out to God because I didn't know, I felt like I was going to die and I didn't really want to die. I wanted to live, but I didn't know how. And in that desperation and my crying out, and when I say crying out, it was a physical, literal crying. And I hadn't cried all my childhood years because I thought tears had no value. So I just, pushed all those hurts down and it was like they were starting to come out in a flood of tears and it was like the mercies of God just started putting people in my life that uh, from the outside that were able to just give me those little bit of little, those little keys that gave me hope and I started following that hope and eventually it absolutely just took me on the other side of the uh, religious culture that was very confining in so many ways. Now, why did you think that um, tears had no value? Oh, well, my dad wasn't very big on tears. So it, that kind of started there already. Like we fall and hurt ourselves and maybe other dads do this too. So, you know, whatever. But he would say things like, um, we'd be crying because we got hurt. And he'd say, okay, we heard it now, you know. 
get over it. <laughs> like suck it up. Yeah, princess. I gotta suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> suck it, suck it up, princess, and move on. <laughs> and so um, then when I was in second grade, I, I hit my head in school on a hard surface and it hurt badly and I cried and I wasn't, I didn't cry much ever. And that day my teacher, I guess, was having a hard day and she just said the simple little line, like she called me a crybaby. Oh. And really offended me because I didn't think I was a crybaby. So it's kind of like from that day forth, I just decided oh, tears have no value. Sit. And you know, it's, it's, it's sad when you hold all those emotions in because tears have value. Yes. <laughs> they do. It's, it's emotion. It's part of you. And it comes out because you're either you're happy or you're sad. But if yeah. you hold it in, you know, as you said that, yeah. you know, like when you cried up to the Lord, for help and you know you were just you know weeping you know with the yes. tears right now how did that the, how the crying and crying out to the lord how did that help you um you know emotional wise how did that help you um as a person well something happened i didn't know was possible and i connected with god i didn't know that was possible and it was like something came near it was it was a presence that came near and it felt good and it was like all the pain went away that I was feeling at that time. I was in a 24-7 pretty heavy depression, oppression, depression, just an agony. And it wouldn't go away in day or night. And so when that presence would come near like that, it just like it was just like a relief, like all the weight was gone and I felt so just so good. But I had to fight my way out of that because it wasn't constant. It would come and then boom, that pain would come right back again. Sometimes it felt like a rage, just like, you know, it tried to stop me is what it tried to do. I knew what I was feeling was right. And I knew that it was like almost a new internal guiding system had come inside of me. And it was giving me wisdom. It was giving me understanding that I had no idea about. It was like downloads from a power and source I didn't understand. Plus, I was very hungry. So I would gravitate towards anything that gave me knowledge and helped me understand. And in that, um, that same season, um, I was talking to through a training program, I was was very fortunate to be able to attend outside of the community. Um, I was sharing with another lady and I said, you know, I've never told an adult this story. And when I did, she said, oh, I was raped when I was five years old, too. And I had never put language to that. I always knew my story. But when I could have, as a little girl, I thought it's just what happens to little girls. And when I could have, you know, understood it, I put a lid on it, along with my tears and everything else. And they didn't get, it didn't get to, get to have a voice till that day. And when that revelation came, I, I dropped like a sack of potatoes. I just became incapacitated and I lost consciousness for a season. I mean, I don't know how long it was, maybe an hour or whatever, but I lost consciousness. And that was a huge part of my healing process too, to have that get a voice to where I could start healing from it. Right. So then you acknowledge the fact that you were raped at five years old. And then, so as an adult, you know, I mean, you, you finally were able to release, release that and freeing. So tell me about how, did, when you release it, well, how did you release um, that experience that you had? 
Well, I, again, like I said, hungry for knowledge. So I went to the library and I studied up on it. I educated myself and I understood that, you know, there's a couple of things that were going to have to take place. And one of them, I was going to have to confront the person that did that for two reasons, to protect other people, other children. And also I knew it's going to be part of my healing to just stand up to that. And at the same time, somebody had given me a book. I mean, it was just like I got all the information that I needed to be uh, helped along the journey so that I could make those changes. And somebody gave me a book, and there was one section that I've never forgotten to this day, and it said, um, you can pray this prayer to be healed of unforgiveness or to release those hurts that we've taken on and they become a part of us. And so it went like this. It was like, um, God, I forgive my mother or I forgive my father or whoever's name I want to use for every hurt that they've done to me. And they forgive me. And I, I said each person's name individually. They forgive me for every hurt I've done to them. And by the blood of Jesus, it shall be remembered no more. And I did that with every family member and anybody else that I've, it was mostly family, that I just did that every day for, I don't know, whatever the season was, six weeks or something. And a miracle happened. Every ought or everything that I was holding on the inside, just, it became sweetened. It was like if I had bitter waters, they became sweetened. And I started having compassion more than judgment or unforgiveness. And so the person that violated my life, um, now I had to work through the process of fear and things that came up and I had to, had to work through that. But in that process, I just got so free on the inside of when I made my exit, um, which I literally did in the dark, because not because they would have tied me up and held me there, but verbally, when you're indoctrinated to believe something to be true and you challenge that, you will be made to feel by those who want you to stay in that, that you are wrong to do something else. And it can be in every area in life. It can be any set of parents with any culture or a boss or, you know, we could even get caught up with wanting to be this um idolize this icon in the movie industry or you know design and and we get caught up in having to be at every event or buy every new purse or clothing or you know something that we can't afford but we we idolize that and we become um drawn to something that is and so when we try to step out of that all the voices and things try to make you stay in whatever right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and I call that fear um, because fear will keep you where you are because, um, you know, because we are afraid of the unknown. And uh, as you said, you left in the dark because you, you had to go. You didn't want anybody holding you back. Yeah. Now, did you end up talking to the person that, um, that raped you as a child? I, did. I wrote a letter and made an appointment and had somebody go with me. And I said, stand up. And he stood up. I read in my letter and it was a letter of, I've forgiven you. I remember you did this and 
um, you know, I, I wasn't, it wasn't a mean letter. It was just simply a confrontation of saying, this is what I remember. And his words were, yes, I did that to you, but I didn't hurt you. That's shocking. Yeah, it did. I was prepared for denial. I was prepared for maybe saying yes, but I had not prepared myself for that one. Wow. He, I mean, he hurt you physically and emotionally. Um, so that was, that was quite shocking that he would say that. You know, but you know what? I'm really glad, Miriam, that you forgave him. And uh, and because you know, because if you hold the grudge and the the hate and you know in your heart all that emotion, it's like poison to your body, and it's and it's gonna only hurt you. So I'm glad that you decide to forgive him. You know, and uh, forget all, for, forgive the members and your family, and uh, and let go and leave in the dark. Now, when you left, where did you go? <laughs> well. It is like when you change culture, who are you now? And it was a faith walk. I didn't, I wasn't able to see very far, but I decided I was gonna head to the mountains in Colorado and go to a dude ranch. And I thought, I love outdoors, I love mountains, I love children. You know, maybe that's who I am. And so that's where I headed. But you know, I was not able to get one job, one opportunity to be a part of that. And income or living expenses were high and I knew I was going to have to, you know, be wise here and get settled somehow, somewhere so I can continue, you know, making an income and living. I did have enough money saved up where I was able to, you know, provide for myself and, and be okay. And so I started realizing and my prayer was every day that God would lead and guide me. And like I said, I had a new internal guiding system and that's such a wonderful thing to go from not having it to having it. And you just know that you know that you're in the right place at the right time. It is a beautiful thing that can happen and anybody can have it. Right. And it's not exclusive. <laughs> right. And I'm glad you said that you pray for God to guide you, to lead you, because I really believe um, that um, you have to put God first and let him guide you and lead you. Because if you try and guide yourself and lead yourself, you end up in nowhere and you don't listen to God. So I always say that's a prayer that I, I pray every day, God lead me and guide me because if I guide myself, I end up in a brick wall. <laughs> so, so. Well, you know, I banked my head a few times on those. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I think I've got stars on my head and opening that door for me. Oh, oh yeah. I remember the time when I was just so broken. I said, you know, God, I, I surrender, like guide me, lead me because I've been trying to guide myself all these years. I just keep making the same you know, like, you know, same, same mistakes, you know, and uh, I'm making the wrong decisions in my life because, you know, I don't listen to that soft voice that's saying, as me do this, I go, no, I'll do it my way. <laughs> and my way, always the wrong way. <laughs> so now I listen to that nice, quiet voice that's talking to me gentle, you know, and saying, this is what you need to do. And I listen to that voice and I find that uh, my life is better. And as you said, you just feel it. You just feel it's the right thing yeah. to do. You know, when it's yeah. wrong, you know, when it's right, you know. Right. So and, I, and that's not saying it's always easy to do. No, the right. it's not. <laughs> Sometimes it'd be so much easier to just take the cheap way out or the easy way out. Right. But that is the path that usually will cost you way more than you want to pay. Exactly. You have to pay a price. Keep you a lot longer than you want to stay. Right. Exactly. <laughs> For every decisions you make, up, you, there's a price to pay. Right. You know, so, you know, so listen to that gentle um, voice of God that says, you know, um, just, this is the way to go. And you have to be quiet and still in order to hear it. 
right? You know, so now tell me, how did you meet your husband? I met him through the business that he that he built. It's a network marketing company. And so I was a part of his network. And I ended up taking care of his mom uh, before we got married. And then in that process, we bonded and connected and got married. Oh, that is so cool. <laughs> you met the man of your dreams while working for him. That is so, that is really neat. So now you're, you said um, we're still practicing um, as a midwife or did no, you drop that? I do, I do coaching. You know, I helped my husband for a lot of years. What is it? Um, 16, 17 years that we worked together. And now um, I have kind of stepped aside and I do some uh, coaching where I help other people break free from something that they want to, you know, experience a different culture or life, whatever it is for them. So, now, so how would you, for, for, for instance, um, what would you say to your client who uh, wants a change in life, wants to, you know, to, be, to make a move where they become a better person? What would you say to those clients? Well, we find out what it is that they want. I become their guide in where they want to go. And that's one of the things that I'm so grateful for that I can look back in my own journey and see where people didn't push me or pull me in a different direction. It was just like it was such a pure guiding, but I got the information that I needed. And that's what I want to do for others. Just become that guide that helps them go to where they want to go. Now, what will be your legacy? If I could get to the end of my life and they could put on my tombstone, this woman loved, that would be my legacy. Ah, oh, love. And that is, that love is just eternal. And it's really, it's a great word, love. Now, I want you to go back with all the knowledge you have now, with all the knowledge, experience, the wisdom, go back and talk to your young self, especially after being raped. What would you say to her? I would say, girl, you've been created beautiful and flawless and perfect and my philosophy is of if you think about the creation that god made the world and then we understand the fall for those of us who understand the bible where sin entered into the world i like to go back to pre-fall and say that's who god created me and he looked at me and he said yeah this is good this is my princess that's right. And God made you perfect and you're perfect. And, and even the, even the struggles that, that you've gone through made you even more perfect because now you have wisdom to share with others, helps them get out of that, their struggles, their mess. So yeah. now you're very successful, successful coach. You know, that's, that's obvious. Now, what is it that you're still struggling with now? Um, you know, <laughs> it's actually losing my weight. I came from a, a family that struggled with weight issues. I packed on 20 pounds extra when I was five years old. And it has just been, I went through all these changes. I overcame so much, but it's like it's this demon that I keep, you know, keeps knocking me down and I know I'm going to win. And I know it, it's going to line up with who, you know, what's healthy for me. Right. I want to be and you know what, Marin, you are going to win. And it doesn't matter how often you're knocked down, um, you know, as long as you just keep getting up. I say even you crawl in your belly, 
<laughs> keep crawling and just get up, right? And then keep working. And eventually you are going to reach your goal. You're going to meet your ideal goal weight that you want to live by, you know? And so Marion, what would you like to share with our audience today? Well, I would like to invite everybody to have an opportunity to visit with me one-on-one. -on -one. And if they go to my website, it's at everythingyoutry.com. And that's kind of based on the philosophy that, you know, pretty much everything we try doesn't work. We have to keep correcting and, and correcting. And if we do that enough, we win, right? But it isn't always that the first time we try, we win. So everythingyoutry.com 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 oh my heavens i love that love those that wisdom keep trying everythingyoutry.com i love it there's a link there they can connect to me and book a session with me and we can have a one-on-one -on -one conversation and see you know if there's something that we can walk together for a season that would help them and then there's also a chapter they can hear a little more of my heart that they can download and receive a free chapter from my book as well Awesome. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, Marion, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. You've given us some really great words of wisdom. Thank you so much for listening to Sprinting to Success podcast. Have an amazing day. Marion McSpadden, I'm Sprinting to Success with Esme Lawrence. Woohoo! All right. Thank you so much, Marion. Thank you and have an amazing day. Thank you for listening to Sprinting to Success with your host, Esme Lawrence. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this show on iTunes. For more information about Esme and to hear other episodes of the show, go to EsmeLawrence.com. The information in this podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional or medical treatment or advice. Always seek advice from your healthcare provider.